Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Friday nights in McKinney, Texas, belong to high school football. They were just such a huge event, and there were so many people and so much excitement. So when two players and two members of the team's first family are found shot dead, it's a game changer for this sleepy Texas town. We've had homicides before, but nothing to where we've had four victims, especially in one house. I think uh, a lot of people were scared, a lot of people were angry. Now, it's up to police to serve some Texas-style justice. We were going to get them and get out of our way because nothing is going to stop us. And nothing in this football town will ever be the same again. I believe we did a lot more counseling that year than we did coaching. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Just north of Dallas, McKinney, Texas, is a picturesque urban sprawl where modern-day cowboys can enjoy all the perks of big city living with a small-town feel. The town, it's a special town. It's experienced rapid growth. It has that small-town feel with friendly people and a, and a real sense of community and, and a sense of uniqueness. And there's nothing that brings everyone in town together more than high school football. McKinney is a huge football town. It's what everyone does on Friday nights. Folks flock to the stadium in droves, sporting the colors of their favorite high school football team, the McKinney North Bulldogs. Friday nights are special. They're a neat atmosphere with a lot of kids, not just football players, but band members and drill team and cheerleaders and fans. And he should know. Coach Sean Pratt has been at the helm of the Bulldogs since 2000. 
there's a lot of pressure to win and to be successful. But winning won't seem so important when a quadruple murder rocks this football town. In March of 2004, quarterback Leonard Barbosa, defensive back Austin York, and linebacker Matt Self want nothing more than to lead the Bulldogs to victory. Matt Austin and Leonard were, uh, you know, they were all three pretty in intense players. Energy, a lot of character, a lot, a lot of uh, ambition, and, and they really um, took the bull by the horns. Leonard Barbosa and Austin York were more than just teammates. They were the closest of friends, brought together by the love of the game. We were best friends, but we're also competitors. You know, we wanted to beat each other in everything, or at least give it our all. We spent so much time together that we knew each other, like, and we, we called each other brothers. I called his mom, mom. And when Matt Self transferred to McKenney North his freshman year, he became fast friends with Leonard and Austin. Matt played. Uh, he was our middle linebacker. Outside of football, nicest kid you ever meet. Real laid back, but was an animal on the field. I mean, it's almost, he had like two different sides of him. He had the mean, crazy Matt on the football field, and he had the, the nice guy off. You know, to everybody he met, everybody he came across. Together on the field, these three players were a force to be reckoned with. I, I thought it was a special group. I thought it was the group that would that would take the next step and get us into the playoffs. And no one wants to see the Bulldogs in the playoffs more than their biggest fan, Leonard's older brother, Mark Barbosa. I mean, everybody knew Mark. He was the loudest, proudest fan at, at all the events. Um, and he would come dressed up, face painted, and, and just decked out, ready to go. Mark was a rising football star in his own right until an injury ended his dream of glory on the gridiron. It also forced him into a wheelchair and out of his parents' small home. Lucky for Mark, his Aunt Rosa welcomed him with open arms. So just for space reason, he had moved in with my aunt. And after he recovered, Mark decided to stay. She enjoyed him and he enjoyed being there. Kind of gave her some company. With no children of her own, 46-year-old Rosa Barbosa doted on her four nephews. My aunt Rosa was someone that always looked out after us and uh, took care of us when necessary and got on to us when necessary. She was like a mother to us. Which is why, when Mark and Leonard's other brother, Robert, needed a temporary place to crash, he took up residence on Aunt Rosa's couch. March 12th, 2004. It's a typical postseason Friday in the town of McKinney and seven lives are about to tragically collide. Austin, Matt, Leonard and Leonard's brother Mark are hanging out playing video games. Matt and Austin had brought up the idea of getting some pizza. My brother Mark, he was a big guy, he loved to eat. So um, he decided he wanted to go too. Like, oh, hey, we all go together. And as quarterbacks do, Leonard decides to pass. I was gonna go ahead and stay behind and just hey, we'll catch up later. Austin, Matt, and Mark head out to get a bite to eat, and then offer to drop Mark off at his house. That's the plan, anyway. Sergeant Drew Caudell settles in for the evening, 
as the McKinney Police Department's shift patrol sergeant. It's Caudell's job to answer the call for any mishaps around town, which usually aren't much. McKinney's is actually pretty, pretty quiet city. It's, we don't get a lot of, a lot of violent crime, at least not serious violent crime. We'll, we'll get assaults, a lot of thefts, shoplifters. We get alarm calls several times a shift. And that's exactly how Sergeant Caudell's night begins on March 12th, with a possible burglary at a check cashing business in downtown McKinney. When I got to the check cashing place on the alarm call, I didn't see anybody standing around, and there was no broken glass. So I went up and tried the door just to see if it was unlocked, and the door was unlocked. But it didn't look like anything had been disturbed. It looks like a false alarm. It looked like the door had just been left unlocked by one of the employees when they closed up. But Sergeant Caudell's investigation will have to wait. There's a shooting in a residence across town. It's a rare call around these parts and takes priority over the break-in. So at that time, I got in my car and I headed south on Highway 5. I was going pretty quick because... Dispatch came back on the radio and said they had uh, multiple victims. The details are limited. All Sergeant Caudell knows is one of the house's residents, a Robert Barbosa, had returned home from work to find a bloodbath. My aunt, my aunt, my brother's dead. They're t- taped up and they're all dead. There's blood everywhere. When we got to the scene, we didn't know if there was a suspect still in the house. Not knowing what to expect inside. Caudell cautiously enters the home. Right inside that doorway, I could see uh, Robert Barbosa, and Robert was crying. He looked up at me, and I could see Matt Self's head in his lap. He was bleeding. He had a, I could tell he had a serious head, head wound. Sergeant Caudell checks his vitals. Matt Self is alive, just barely. He was still breathing, but it, I called for an ambulance. Caudell needs to clear the premises before the EMTs can enter. And I told Robert, I said, I need you to get out. I wanted to get everybody out of the crime scene as soon as possible. Just a few feet away from where Matt Self is lying, Caudell sees two more bodies. I could see Austin York. Uh, He was obviously dead, he had a head wound. And Mark Barbosa, he was laying across the bed with his head off the south side of the bed. Um, His head was on the floor. It looked like he was actually trying to run, get away, and they shot him while he was going across the bed. Caudell must leave the victims to check out the rest of the home. And in a second bedroom, he finds one final body, the owner of the house, Rosa Barbosa. We found Rosa laying face down in her her room. She had duct tape around her head. The duct tape was covering her mouth and her nose. There was another, there was a zip tie around her neck. I don't, she was obviously dead. Four victims, three of which are already dead, and one being airlifted to a local hospital. It's a horrific scene, even for a seasoned officer. My first reaction when I saw it was, what have I gotten into? We hadn't had anything like this happen in McKinney, at least not since I'd been here my my 14 years at that time. Police must act fast. There's a cold-blooded killer on the loose. We needed to find out what happened as quickly as possible. If they're going to kill four people in the same house, 
or four people, period. There's no telling what they're capable of. There's a saying that everything is bigger in Texas. And that's true of McKinney's love of bulldog football. So when two of its star players, Austin York and Matt Self, along with Mark and Rosa Barbosa, are found shot inside the Truett Street home, it's only a matter of time before news of the murders spreads through the town like an oil spill. I was in bed asleep, and one of our players called me and told me that the boys had been shot. Uh, Felt like I was in a bad dream, didn't believe it. I made him repeat himself four or five times. Almost immediately, Matt's mother, Nancy Self, knows something is wrong when her son misses his 11.30 p.m. curfew. Matt was always home by 11.30. If he was going to be home later than 11.30, he would call. But he doesn't call. Then... Finally, a few hours later, the phone rings, but it's not Matt. I get a phone call from a coach's wife, and her comment is, what can I do to help? And I said, what do you mean, what can you do to help? And she goes, you haven't heard. And I said, heard what? And she said that Matt's been shot. With those words, Nancy Self's nightmare is only just beginning. The doctors came out and basically told us that there was... Not really much more that they could do at this point. There was no brain activity, and then Matt was basically brain dead. Uh, I remember holding him and begging that this not be true. This, this, is a, this is not happening. This is a nightmare. I'm fixing to wake up. Her son, Matt Self, the only surviving victim, passes away in the hospital the next morning. Matt Self's death was such a loss because he was the actual only survivor. If he could have pulled through, he may have been able to give us an idea of who, who was responsible and what exactly happened. Police don't have time to grieve for the latest victim. They've got a quadruple murder to solve. We tried to find out what happened in the house as quickly as possible. And they start by processing the scene. There was no fingerprints found at the crime scene. There's no DNA evidence that, that we knew of right then. But there's no shortage of bodies, blood, and bullets. There were some spent shell casings. I know there were some bullet holes in the wall. Based on the fact that there are four victims and multiple shell casings throughout the home, a theory is emerging. Matt and Austin, they were pretty good-sized young men. And Mark Barbosa, he was, he was a big guy. So I was thinking it'd probably take more than one person to control all these people effectively, and probably more than one person to shoot them all. But why kill these four people? And what were these killers after? I knew I had something bigger than just a a home invasion or a, a drunk at a party. Especially when nothing appears to be missing from the home, or at least nothing obvious. With burglary crossed off the motive list, police consider other possibilities. Drugs, revenge, or maybe, just maybe, a family dispute. It was important to talk to Robert Barbosa just because most of the time when you have a homicide, it's going to be somebody who knows the victims. Robert Barbosa is related to two of the victims, and he's also the one who made the 911 call. It wouldn't be the first time a suspect pretended to just happen onto the crime scene. After committing the crime, 
himself. Detective Diana Tilton is a married woman. But her husband could argue that she's really married to the force. When I'm working a murder, I am a workaholic. I'm focused. I won't think of anything else 24-7 until I just pass out from exhaustion. You can't just turn that switch off when you, when you go home. Lucky for her, Tilton's husband has an inside track on his wife's line of work. My husband is a state trooper. He knows that when it's a serious case, he won't see much of me, and he expects that. And from the sound of things, it looks like Detective Tilton's husband better kiss her goodbye, because he's not going to be seeing her anytime soon. When I heard there was multiple victims, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. I knew that McKinney had lost his innocence. At the PD, Tilton's first order of business, interview witness and possible suspect, 22-year-old Robert Barbosa. You live with your aunt? Yes, ma'am. Robert was extremely distraught and sobbing. It was very difficult for him to have this interview and to answer questions. I'm trying to give you just a little bit of time. His emotions appear to be genuine, but his statements aren't quite adding up. What he said happened was he had gotten off of work. He walked through the house, discovered the boys' bodies and then ran to his aunt's room and discovered her body, checked for a pulse, ran back to the boy's room, and realized Matt was alive. He, th- he said he then called 911. McKinney, 911, what's the address of the report? My aunt, my aunt, my brother's dead. Based on his account, this should have taken Robert about two to three minutes to do, tops. But Robert's 911 call tells a different tale. I just, I just got here. I've been here for 10 minutes. Okay, where are they at? When we reviewed the 911 call, we noticed that, that Robert said, I've been here 10 minutes. And that didn't make any sense. So what happened to those other six minutes? Perhaps the answer will lie in a polygraph examination, a test which Robert promptly fails. We knew he was hiding something from us. And so that sets suspicion in your mind, and it's hard to shake. And there's something else that doesn't shake off easily, gunpowder residue. One of the first things you do when you're dealing with witnesses on a crime scene of a a shooting is give them gunshot residue tests to make sure they themselves were not involved in the shooting. This test, he passes. Robert hasn't fired a gun but police still have to get to the bottom of what he's hiding. And detectives soon learn hiding was exactly what he was doing. Detectives at the scene discovered a trash bag inside a trash can that was placed in the driveway of their neighbor. And this trash bag contained a green marijuana plant. Turns out, it takes a few minutes to dispose of a marijuana plant. He did admit that The first thing he did after finding the bodies was grab that pot plant and put it in the trash can. 
He was on probation at the time, and he didn't want to get in trouble. But the major reason for him was he felt quite sure that that had nothing to do with the murders, and he didn't want the police to be misled by the presence of a, of a marijuana plant at the house. Like everyone else, Robert is devastated over the murders of his brother, aunt, and two family friends. We were confident early on that Robert wasn't responsible for the murders. He was totally cleared. We knew that he had absolutely nothing to do with what had taken place, and eventually the truth would come out. But it did hurt that he was his name was put in that category. With Robert cleared, police focus in on the victims themselves in the hopes of figuring out who was the primary target in the murders. We felt quite sure fairly quickly on that the main target was Rosa Barbosa. She was bound, she was gagged, she was strangled, she was beat, she was shot, she was tortured. Nothing at the scene points to a sexual assault. So why torture a woman who, by all accounts, doesn't have an enemy in the world? A woman who had recently quit her job at a bank to live a more stress-free, quiet life. Detectives soon learn, by seeking that quiet life, Rose's fate may have been sealed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. 
I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The town of McKinney, Texas, is still reeling. From the brutal murders of Rosa Barbosa, Mark Barbosa, Matt Self, and Austin York. Austin's little sister, Sidney Wilson, was only 12 at the time of his death. But in an instant, her innocence was gone. I was in the sixth grade, and I was forced to really grow up quickly, and I had to understand a lot of adult situations very fast. After losing Austin in such a tragic way, I became very angry with God. While the victims' families try to come to terms with their loss, police get their first major break when they discover Rosa Barbosa had recently accepted a new job. We discovered from a family member that Rosa worked for Cliff's check cashing. It was at that time we realized and tied that into the alarm we had had at Cliff's check cashing right before the shooting call came out. It looks like the killers were after a big score at the check cashing business. I believe the perpetrators had actually gone to Rosa's house, probably tortured her, threatened her, got her keys, went to the check cashing place. As soon as they stepped in the door, I think the alarm went off, and I don't think they actually had enough time to get back to the safes. Which explains why Sergeant Caudell found the door unlocked, but nothing disturbed. A forensics team sweeps the check cashing business for fingerprints, shoe prints, anything. There was not any evidence to speak of at Cliff's check cashing at all. Nothing useful was located or, or found that would help us. It's another dead end. But the lab is about to give police some good news. When Rosa's autopsy was performed, the medical examiner removed the duct tape that was wrapped around her head. He could see that there were pieces of a latex glove attached to the inside of the tape. Inside the piece of latex glove, the lab is able to obtain the killer's DNA. DNA is always important to a case. It's a proven science. That's one of the, the, the most helpful things you can have in a murder case. Helpful, that is, if police have a suspect to match it to. Lucky for them, a suspect just happens to be in one of their jail cells. A local man named James Jones. On April the 15th, James Jones was charged with aggravated kidnapping. So when Jones finds himself looking at hard time for the offense, he tells police he's ready to cut a deal. On the way to Collin County Jail, James Jones told the arresting officer that he had information that he could provide on the quadruple murders. I can clear this case right now, you know what I'm saying? I ain't bluffing you or whatever, you know, I ain't trying to waste your time, but I can clear this case. And investigators have reason to listen. 
James Jones was a reliable informant for a narcotics detective and several times had given valid and useful information that assisted them with cases. And police could sure use some assistance right about now. According to the informant, the victims were killed over drug money. He said that someone in, inside the house on Truett was dealing a large amount of powder cocaine. And Jones says the murders went down like this. James Jones said that he had gone to that house on Truett Street and was sitting in the living room, and all three boys and Rosa were already inside the house. They were in the kitchen. He was in the living room drinking beer. And two acquaintances of his came into the house, went into the kitchen, and got into an argument with someone in the kitchen, and then shot him and then they all ran out. Police act quickly to get these cold-blooded killers off the streets. A decision was reached to go ahead and arrest the other two individuals that we had identified he said were with him. But it's not long before Jones's story starts to unravel. James Jones had all kinds of facts wrong. What beer cans were you talking about? I wasn't drinking no beer. You weren't drinking no beer because I didn't find no beer in there. He didn't know things about the victims that he should have known. Where was the woman killed at? With regards to what they looked like. What did she have on her neck? What part of the house they were in. Did you see her get taped up? He didn't know anything about the duct tape. What color was that f***ing tape that she got taped up with? These facts are becoming troublesome. You have not been honest with me. Well, at least there's one thing investigators can hang their hats on. DNA evidence. The DNA should have matched one of them, if he was even telling the truth about the three of them being in there, and it didn't. It's a wild goose chase. A goose chase that has cost the investigation precious time and energy. The reason James Jones came forward was because he thought that if he gave us information on the murders, that he could make a quick deal for himself and not be in any trouble. Detectives learn the hard way. Letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. It's a devastating blow for the community. I think initially everybody thought he was the guy because uh, you heard pretty early on that there had been a, a confession. The, the mood here in McKinney uh, was, again, disbelief, but I think uh, a lot of people were scared, a lot of people were angry. I was very disappointed that James Jones' confession was not true. It's almost like everything was starting to reopen again. Six months after the quadruple murders, the McKinney North Bulldogs take the field again. The season following the murders was uh, was very difficult. Football doesn't seem real important after an incident like this. I believe we did a lot more counseling that year than we did coaching. Playing football after this all had taken place that next season, it was really rough. It was it was hard. It it wasn't the same anymore. I wasn't the same anymore. My mindset wasn't the same anymore. The Bulldog season ends with a heartbreaking 2-8 and eight record. And the disappointment doesn't end on the football field. Over the next three years, 500 leads in the case are worked, and 500 leads are cleared. 
every anniversary that occurred, there was more of a sinking feeling about it. By the time 2006 came around, we were not getting very many tips at all. The tips dried up. No one at the McKinney Police Department wants to admit it. But the case is in jeopardy of going ice cold. I think we had all kind of given up that McKinney PD would find the people that did it and that justice would be served to the families. But that's not the case. Detective Diana Tilton and the team of investigators assigned to solve this homicide refused to give up. I knew that one day something would happen and a person would call the police department that would break this case open. I knew it with every fiber of my being. And her being may be onto something. When more than three years after the murders, a woman calls the PD, claiming to have information on the Barbosa case. She told me that her boyfriend had shared with her that he knew who committed the murders back in 2004. On the surface, life appears to have gone back to normal in McKinney since the quadruple homicide three years earlier. But behind every friendly smile, there's a feeling of uneasiness, of fear. We lived without knowing what happened that night. No one knew anything. No one knew why it happened. For Diana Tilton, there are constant reminders everywhere. Reminders that these families deserve answers. There's a trainer that works with police department employees at McKinney North High School in the uh, athletic building. It's the same place where Matt and Austin once trained for football. When I leave my home and go to work out, right by the door I go in, there's the two spots. This is Austin York's space with his number 38, and on directly across from him is gonna be uh, Matt's self, his space, and he's number 34. And, uh, it's been and in my mind, when I look over there, I think, inside my head, uh, Matt and, and Austin just hang on and give us a little bit more time because we're not done yet. And that time may be here when Detective Tilton gets a call from a woman claiming to have information on the Truett Street murders. She told me that her boyfriend had shared with her the, the previous night that he knew who committed the murders back in 2004. That's all she said. The caller's boyfriend is a man named Eddie Williams, and she says Eddie just came clean to her that he was involved in the shootings. The very first thing I started doing at that time was began to try to convince her to let us come pick her and him up and bring them to the station so that we could talk to them face to face about this. Tilton succeeds. You're here because you want to do the right thing, right? Okay, all right. Once inside the interview room, Eddie reveals that he and two men, Raul Cortez and his brother Javier, set out that night with plans to rob Rosa Barbosa after her shift at the check cashing business ended. Eddie said that he was told to go to the porch on Truett Street, knock on the door. You will knock on the door, you will ask, have you seen a puppy? When she opened it, Javier and Raul Cortez, who both had ski masks on, rushed by him and shoved her down onto the floor of her living room. Then Javier shut the door and locked it. 
Once inside, there was no turning back. Eddie said that he was in the living room while the brothers took her back to her bedroom and began trying to get an alarm code from her. She was beat and tortured to get this information. That's when Eddie noticed headlights hitting the front room. Eddie said that when the, when the boys came in, Raul immediately started shooting at them. One by one, Mark, Austin, and Matt were shot, and Eddie and the Cortez brothers fled the house with Rose's keys. They drove straight to Cliff's check cashing. Eddie says that Javier had keys. When he opened the door, he was only in there for a few seconds when Eddie could hear the alarm going off. And shortly thereafter, Javier came running out and said it was messed up. It's one hell of a story. But investigators have been down this confession road before. We had a lot of leads where people claimed to either be involved or know who did it that turned out to be false or incorrect information. So as far as I was concerned, this could be another one of those rabbit trails. And investigators can't help but wonder why it took Eddie three long years to come forward. And what's he really after? The reason why Eddie started talking about this crime at all was his father had just passed away. And Eddie decided it was time to answer to a higher power. Eddie was convinced that his father then knew what he had done, because his father was now a spirit and he would know everything, and he couldn't live with the fact that his father knew that he was involved in something like this. And by something like this, he means cold-blooded murder. Investigators pressure Eddie Williams for something that can back up his story, anything. Eddie told us that Raul shot the 25 caliber automatic into the ceiling of his rent house before they went over there and committed the murders. He says it's the same gun used in the murders. As we talked about in our interview, this is Raul Cortez's previous yeah. home. You said a gunshot was fired off in here. We want you to point yeah. out in the living room where the gun was fired. It was like, it was a couch there. We walked Eddie inside the house. He took us straight to where the bullet hole was in the ceiling. It had been patched and repaired. So was he behind the couch? Yeah, he was behind the couch and just bop. And was it right-handed or left-handed he shot? Could this bullet still be in the ceiling after three long years? We knew that if we could recover that bullet, that it, that it could be matched to the bullets from the crime scene or the victim's bodies. And this would be the first piece of physical evidence we had linking a suspect to this case. We found the bullet and took it to the lab the very next morning. Investigators wait on pins and needles for the results. Within a day or two, we received a phone call that, in fact, the bullet did match. So that was huge. That was the very first piece of physical evidence we had in this case in three years. It's looking more and more like Eddie Williams is telling the truth. Even so, the case is far from closed. A bullet in a ceiling just proves the same gun was used. And for all police know, Eddie could have fired that gun. We still didn't have anything that would prove that both of them were at that crime scene. It's time to use their ace in the hole. 
the DNA evidence found on the duct tape used to bind Rosa Barbosa. A preliminary test shows the DNA doesn't match Eddie Williams. If Eddie's story is true, it should match one of the Cortez brothers. If we were able to match that DNA, that would link that person to the crime scene, for sure. So our next mission was we needed to get DNA from both of the Cortez brothers without them knowing we were getting it. Investigators fear if Raul and Javier catch wind that police are onto them. They'll skip town before they have a chance to process the DNA. We conducted surveillance on the Cortez brothers. Detectives patiently wait in the wings for their opportunity to covertly obtain a DNA sample. And their patience pays off when each brother drops a cigarette butt. Our hopes were definitely that this DNA would match one of the brothers. There was the chance that Eddie was blaming someone else, and he shot the gun in that house. Is Eddie Williams' story for real? Or are investigators being played again? Three years after the murders of Rosa Barbosa, Mark Barbosa, Matt Self, and Austin York, police believe they are finally closing in on the three men responsible, Eddie Williams, Raul, and Javier Cortez. I really don't know how to describe the intensity that we then felt. Sort of like a bulldog. We were were gonna get them then. This is going to happen, we're gonna do it and get out of our way because nothing is gonna stop us and everything seems to be falling into place when the DNA results come in. We discovered that it matched Raul Cortez. Investigators now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Raul Cortez was involved in the quadruple murders. It's enough to charge him. But Javier Cortez is a different story. All police have against him is Eddie's word. We knew that if Javier didn't confess to this crime, that we couldn't use Eddie's statement against him without physical evidence to corroborate what he was saying. There has to be physical evidence to back up what Eddie's saying. And we had it with Raul, didn't have it with Javier. Both Javier and Raul Cortez deny involvement. Police will need more evidence against Javier to make a murder charge stick. We would have to look through other avenues and other ways to get that physical evidence. Investigators search Javier's home, hoping to turn up something that will connect him to the quadruple murders. And at first glance, it's looking promising. When they went into Javier's home, it was then that they found three weapons. One was stolen, one had a serial number scratched off, and then another automatic. Unfortunately, none of the guns were used at the crime scene. They won't link him to the murders but they still prove useful. He also had marijuana in his house, so now he was a drug user in possession of a firearm. And that's a federal offense. So they arrested him for firearms violations. It may not be a murder charge, but it's enough to keep Javier off the streets. All three men are now in police custody. When the case was solved, I did feel happiness inside and joy and elation, but it doesn't last very long. It's just a second. 
then it slams down on you that there's four people dead and there's all these hurt people and families that have been devastated. It, that doesn't change that. News of the three arrests spreads through the streets of McKinney. I was headed home and I got a phone call real late. And it was my mom. She told me and you know, it was a little hard because it's like, was this for real? Is this, is this, is this it this time? I was here in the living room uh, when the phone rang. I immediately ran into the bedroom and told my husband that we have an arrest. This was uh, the end of a nightmare for us. In the end, this nightmare stemmed from actions motivated by greed. And it's a hard pill to swallow, even for Detective Tilton. Nothing the boys did that evening put themselves in harm's way at all. They were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And Rosa was targeted purely for where she worked. I can't imagine the terror she must have been feeling and the pain that she endured. Uh, It makes me physically ill to think about it. I, I just can't imagine being outnumbered by three males. I just hope that she was dead before Mark and the boys came in so that she didn't know what was happening to them. In January 2009, Raul Cortez is convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death. For Matt's mother, the conviction is bittersweet. It was a relief, but it still didn't bring my son back. He murdered my son, and he had no remorse. He did a horrible, horrible thing, and uh, he's going to pay for it now. And as for Eddie Williams, he pleads guilty to the murders and is now serving 20 years in a state prison. If Eddie hadn't come forward, I don't believe we would have solved this case. The Cortez brothers didn't have DNA samples on file that could be matched in a national database. And that certainly was taken into consideration when it came time to decide what kind of punishment Eddie was going to receive. And his role in the murders and the arrests is hard to come to terms with for Austin York's sister. I have lots of mixed emotions about Eddie Williams. He had a conscience. He knew that he had done something wrong, and I could never thank him enough for giving our family justice and letting us know what happened that night. And then some days I'm so angry for the things that have happened to us that I want to punch him in the face, you know? It's just so many mixed feelings that it's hard to describe. Javier Cortez is never charged for the murders, but is convicted on a firearms violation and is sentenced to four years in federal prison. I still don't feel satisfied, though, because it's not over. And I don't intend to stop working this case. Poor Diana Tilton's husband. He may never see his wife again. It's been a tough road for everyone, but especially for one person. Obviously, we were all greatly affected by the murders, but no one as much as Leonard. With four very, very important people in his life uh, gone, and and uh, not just gone, but gone in a in a manner that uh, is so disturbing. And by choosing not to go out that fateful night, Leonard Barbosa may have just narrowly cheated death. 
that's something that kind of bothered me for a long time. Just you know, I, it should have should have probably been there that night. Or the what ifs and the ifs and ifs and ifs all came with that. And as far as the folks of McKinney, Texas, well, they got together and created a memorial for the two bulldog players whose lives were cut short. Scholarships in the boys' names. The boys will never be forgotten. It's part of uh, McKinney North High School, and it's uh, part of that community. The memories of Matt Self, Austin York, Mark, and Rosa Barbosa will live on in the streets and hallways of McKinney, Texas. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.